Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Why don't you join us in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again, Lord God, for this time that we have with you today, O Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that's out there, O Lord. Heavenly Father, you know what's going on in their lives. You know their dreams, their aspirations, their desires. You know what their problems and challenges are, O Lord God. So I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, that you will touch them in your own special way. We thank you, Heavenly Father God, for this time. And I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. I say welcome to Genesis 1. Glad you could join us. Let me say at the outset here, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you go and grab your Bible and a, a pencil or a pen and a marker and a piece of paper maybe. Take some notes, mark up your Bible, and just let the Word of God minister to your heart. Amen. Amen. I want to start right out by not wasting any time and going right to Scripture. Amen. So let's go to Hosea 4, 6. Hosea 4, chapter 6. 4, chapter 6. Thank you, Jesus. We start out by reading here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. I will also forget thy children. Amen. So it says there that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we see there that in this scripture here, both the priests and the people rejected knowledge. God also justly rejected them. They forgot the law of God, neither desired nor tried to retain the law in their mind. Therefore, God justly forgot them and their children. And God told them that judgment was upon them because of their behavior. Interesting scripture, because they, of their behavior, they're rejecting God. Therefore, a lack of knowledge can destroy us also, especially now in the 21st century where the forces of darkness are trying so hard to bring down God's people. Okay? We have to remember that the lack of knowledge is what gets us into a whole lot of trouble. We don't realize many times that things happen in our lives because we simply don't know what the Word of God says and don't know how the Word of God impacts our lives and how the lack of the Word of God can also adversely impact our lives. So today, what I want to do is I want to separate fact from fiction. I want to separate fact from myth concerning an important aspect of this time of year. And of course, we're talking about Halloween. Okay? I don't say, oh gosh, here we go again, another Halloween message. And I know that here, here we got some Christian on here now that's uh, screaming all sorts of things and dire warnings and whatnot. Well, not, this, is, this is not what that's about. It's simply talking about what the Word of God is saying concerning many aspects of our lives. And you see that the opening scriptures there in Hosea say that my people are destroyed. All the translations say my people perish for lack of knowledge. We need to have knowledge. We need to have knowledge. One might say, well, what does this scripture have to do with Halloween? Well, to start with, scripture does not speak specifically at all about Halloween, but it does give us some pretty strong principles on which we can make informed decisions. In informed decisions. We see that in Old Testament, in Old Testament Israel, oh, my computer here is going a little nuts. In Old Testament Israel, witchcraft was a punish, a crime punishable by death. We see that in Exodus 22, verse 18, Leviticus 19, 31, 
and 20, verse 6. I don't have time to go to each one of those scriptures, but you could check it out for yourself and see what the, what the Word of God says about witchcraft. And we go to Deuteronomy 18, verse 9, and we're going to go there. Um, Deuteronomy 19, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 18, excuse me. Deuteronomy 18, verse number 9. And it says there, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. Now, please underline that. Thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. So what God was saying is that I'm going to send you to a land that is inhabited by people that do all sorts of abominable things. You shall not follow what they're doing. Right. This also applies to us today. God may be relocating you to a new job, for instance, or a new, new town, a new school, whatever it may be. And God is saying that don't you wind up doing what those people wind up doing in those environments. Just because you are new there, don't you all of a sudden take on the same mannerisms and the same behaviors of those people that are already there. This applies very much to us today. I know there was a long time ago when I was working in the secular world there and and the Christmas parties and New Year's Eve functions, I knew how wild they were, okay? I knew how wild with the drinking and all sorts of other lascivious behavior, people connecting with people that during normal times they didn't talk with and men chasing women and women chasing men. I mean, there was a whole lot of debauchery going on. So I would not attend as simply as that. I would not do as those other people around me were doing, you know? Now, I'm not saying that before I came to the Lord, oh, yes, sure, I attended those parties and I know what those parties were like. But after I came to the Lord and Jesus and Holy Spirit and the Lord took a hold of me and educated me, I had, I had knowledge about where I should be and where I should not be as a child of God. Things in my life changed by my own decisions. So God is telling that when you come into the land which I give thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you uh, anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because these abominations to the Lord, uh, abominations, the Lord thy God does drive them out from before thee. Thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. All right. So he's telling them right there, when you get to where I'm sending you, do not get involved, do not do as others do. We need to make sure we are doing that today also because there are so many um, um, habits and so many uh, uh, actions and so many things that others around us are doing. We as children of God simply cannot just follow suit. We cannot be worried about being popular. We cannot be worried about uh, 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 being canceled, okay, because we don't agree with something. We cannot simply go along to get along. Okay, we simply cannot do that as children of God. So God is warning Israel here what they should and should not do. In the New Testament, we see similar warnings. And if we go to Acts 13, verse 6, Acts 13, verse 6. Acts 13, verse number 6. We see here, and when they had gone, verse 6, and when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the, of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. 
But Alemus, Alemus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Okay, now this guy was a sorcerer. He did not want this man, the deputy, to all of a sudden become aware of God and to start following Jesus and so on. He did not want that. He was into sorcery. Okay, and I say to you today also that there are people that do not want us to worship God. They do not want us to become more knowledgeable of God, and they will throw every obstacle they can in our way to prevent that from happening. Those that are into into the occult and into demonology and into Satanism, they do not. Those people do not want us to rise up and become more knowledgeable in the word of God. Okay, so it says here that uh, to turn the deputy away from the faith. Verse nine. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, sets his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Okay. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. All right. So Paul put a stop to this. Put a stop to it. He said, you sorcerer, you are not going to prevent this man who wants to know more about God from knowing more about God. All right. And filled with the Holy Spirit, he brought blindness, brought blindness upon this man. All right. So we see here in Old Testament and in New Testament, God speaks and acts against those spirits of darkness who would try to perform those things, okay? Again, we're talking about people perishing and are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Today, many people dabble in the mystical occultic arts, including so-called, quote-unquote, innocent horoscopes. Astrology is popular, and I remember when it was commonplace for people to ask when you're at a party or something, what sign are you? I know there are still people out there that will not leave the house in the morning to go to work until they've had a coffee, a cup of coffee, and have checked the horoscope for that day to see if it's safe, quote unquote, to go to work. See, so these things are very much in practice today. They're dabbling in the mystical occultic arts. And is there anything wrong with being involved in these practices? You may say to yourself, and maybe you're looking at me or listening to me right now and say, well, what's wrong with being involved with those things? Well, the simple answer is yes, there is something wrong, definitely. And God takes a clear position on the subject, strongly denouncing these practices. God's word indicates that these practices are part of Satan's strategy of evil tricks and deception designed to lead us astray. Satan and his demons are real beings and set on our destruction. Jesus talked about the devil and demons. Of course, demons, uh, as you know, Jesus cast out many demons. The Lord God himself speaks of demons and, and, and Satan and so on. So now if God and Jesus are speaking of these, of these individuals, of these entities, then who are we as the Christians? God's children now. God created us. Now God is speaking of them. Who are we to ignore the reality of their existence? Okay, And that's part of the thing of us perishing or being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because many times we will simply dismiss the very things that God talks about in his scripture, the very reality, the substance of the spiritual realm, you see, but we just tend to poo-poo that and push it aside, okay? Christians are warned to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil, okay? Now, that's in Ephesians 6, 11, and 12, and let's just go there, uh, go there real quick. I know you've, you've been there before. Ephesians 6, but uh, I want you to... Uh, 
mark it up in your Bible if you haven't. Ephesians 6, verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Underline that word wiles. Against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There it is, right to the point. Stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, what are the wiles? What is a wile? Well, the definition, uh, the dictionary definition is is a trick, a line of, you know, a trick, a strategy meant to fool, trap, or entice. Okay, it's a trick. It's a strategy meant to fool, trap, or entice. Deceitful cunning, trickery to beguile, entice, or lure. All right. To entice or lure. So the wiles of the devil, this is saying here, watch out for the tricks. Watch out for the strategies of the devil. Watch out for the things that he does to trap you, to trick you, to entice you, to lure you into doing what he wants you to do. To lure you away from God, ultimately, to lure you into his kingdom, to lure you into his realm where he can just do do whatever he wants to with you, with you and your life. What are some of the wiles or tools of wickedness in high places? One of them is occultic practices. One of them is occultic practices. Now, why am I talking about the wiles of the devil and the occult? Because of this time of year, okay? Because of Halloween. Again, I say, please do not get turned off. You need to hear this message, okay? This is not just, you know, another person, another Christian on here that's bashing something, a holiday that so many people love. Okay, and many Christians also love this time of year. And I'm here today to give you what the word of God says on the subject and hopefully to open your eyes, to open your eyes as to the reality of what happening, of what is happening. The Bible gives us many insights to see how deception is used to influence people. You don't have to read very far into the first book of Genesis to discover the creature who invented the philosophy, invented the philosophy behind trick or treating. Now, let's go to some familiar verses here. Let's go to Genesis 3, verse 1. Genesis 3, verse 1. Read verse number 1. Very familiar verses. We've been here before for many reasons, and now is a very appropriate time to read these scriptures again. Verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle. Okay, there's that word subtle again. was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Again, planting doubt, planting doubt. This is, this is what the devil does. He whispers a secret. He whispers a question in your ear that would be contrary to what the word of God is telling you. Is that really true? Is this really a dangerous time of year? Is it wrong for you to celebrate Halloween? Is it this? Is it that? He always wants you to doubt. He says, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, she knew, she knew that. She said, God has said, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it unless you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. See, there he is usurping or contradicting God's word. And that's what the devil again does to us. You don't have to worry about that. You'll be okay. It's okay for you to drink. It's okay for you to take drugs. It's okay for you to um, uh, uh, to commit other sins. It's okay. God will forgive you. It's all right. You know, or either God just doesn't want you to do so and so. That's why God is telling you don't do it. But you'll be okay. You'll be okay. 
Serpent says, woman, you shall not surely die, for God does know that in the days that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. If you notice there, he says, you shall be as gods, okay, gods. See, that there is also hinting at the fact that there's not just one God. Jehovah is one God. Elohim is one God. El Shaddai is one God. Right? But he says, as the gods, Okay, so right, right there, he's indicating in a subtle way that there's more than one God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, pleasant to the eyes, there it is, something, you know, that shiny object that the devil dangles in front of us, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat, and he did eat. You see, so Satan's Satan's goal here was to make evil seem good. Sound familiar to you? His goal was to make evil, evil seem good. And we see that today all around us. You know, any of us that have any number of years on our lives here, you know, we can remember when things were so much different. Uh, not that long ago, you know, where, 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 where the philosophy of life, so to speak, was that this was right and this was wrong. And now we see that that has been upended. The things that we normally considered and deemed as being right is now said by others to be wrong. Those things that in our lives were deemed to be wrong is now saying it's okay, it's all right, it's good. You know, And if you choose to choose to think otherwise, then, then, then you get dumped upon, you get, get attacked for not going along with the program. Okay, How dare you say that so-and-so-and-so is wrong? That is totally acceptable in today's world. How dare you say that there's only two sexes? Okay, In today's world, there are multiple, multiple sexes. As one person said, there's a whole, there's a whole uh, uh, what is it, a spectrum, he said. There's a whole spectrum of sexes out there Okay, that a man can change um, at will or by a thought in his mind that I'm no longer a man, I'm a woman, I'm no longer a woman, I'm a man. You see, so what things were deemed to be wrong is now considered to be right, and those things that were right is now considered to, to, to be wrong. We've seen a, a total, total reversal. Okay? And we see that is what the devil is trying to do here today. Okay? Satan's goal was to make evil seem good. It would be okay to eat of that tree. He started by placing doubt in Eve's mind. He convinced Eve that the forbidden fruit really wasn't forbidden. He convinced her the forbidden fruit really wasn't forbidden. God tells us things in our lives that are forbidden. And how many times do we, do we wrestle with that and start gravitating towards doing what God says is forbidden? Because the devil is there whispering in our ears, it's okay. It's okay for you to do it this one time. It's okay for you to do it this second time or whatever. Okay, and he keeps whispering away, you know, just chipping away, chipping away at your willpower. He tries to chip away at your willpower to stick to the word of God. Okay? Then he tried to convince her that eating the fruit would be good. He simply lied to her. You shall not surely die. For God does know that you eat in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes shall be opened. You shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He is out and out lying to her. So she was tricked. Listening to him, she was tricked. We can't listen to the devil. We cannot entertain those things. Anything that we hear that we know is counter to the word of God. We cannot spend time thinking about it, rationalizing and justifying it, because we as human beings, we are excellent. We are so good at rationalizing into doing something wrong that we know that we know is, is, is wrong. We are so good at, at rationalizing away and say, oh, it's okay to do that. So you don't want to take a whole lot of time thinking about it. You know it's against the word of God. Shut down the devil. Shut down that voice and simply do not do it. Do not do it. Simple as that. 
So Eve listened, and you, and you know what happened. You know the results of that. So Eve was tricked, and she took the treat, okay? Eve was tricked, and she took the treat, being the fruit, okay? She ate the fruit. She didn't realize she had been tricked until it was too late. I say that again. Eve did not realize that she was tricked until it was too late. The trick, quote-unquote, that Satan played on Eve is at the root of trick-or-treat and Halloween. Okay, let me say that again. The trick that Satan played on Eve is at the root of trick-or-treat and Halloween today. There is a deception out there where people believe that participating in innocent and harmless because they only are letting kids dress up and, and enjoy candy. They feel it's simply harmless. They're putting on some little costumes one time a year and they're going about, they're so joyful. You see their cute little faces. They're so happy and they're going door to door and they're getting candy. You know, that is, is simply, it's innocent and it's harmless. However, Halloween is steeped in the occult and at the root, there is a spiritual reality that many believe is harmless. All right. Now, I'm sure some of you out there are saying, oh, I've heard that before, and it's a bunch of poppycock. If you are a child of God, and you're reading the word of God, then you need to listen to the word of God. You need to adhere to it, okay? All right? And the whole objective here is that Genesis 1 is not saying, I am not saying that, that I absolutely forbid that anyone goes out and celebrates, celebrates Halloween. I'm saying to you, my purpose here today is to, 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 to educate you so that you can see what the word of God is saying. Then you make an informed decision on your own. As simple as that. That's what this is all about. Okay. To see what the word of God is saying and to understand the spiritual realities behind this time of year and behind what is going on surrounding this particular uh, a celebration, quote unquote, uh, that we call Halloween. They say that celebrating is fun and that costumes are pleasing to the eye. So was the fruit pleasing to Eve's eye, you see? And that's what the devil plays on. He plays on our, our senses. He plays on looking at things that we may feel are attractive. That's what I always call it. He dangles those shiny objects in front of us. He does that in so many ways. He may dangle the shiny object in front of you in form of, of a, a, new job op, a, a new job opportunity, okay? Maybe someone is offering you a new position all of a sudden, okay? And God is telling you for whatever reasons, don't take that. And you're feeling in your gut, in your spirit, I better not apply for that position. Well, there's a reason for it. But the devil dangles that shiny up. Oh, there'll be more money. You get to travel. You'll do this. You'll do that. Okay? And God maybe does not want you to take that position. But, but Satan will dangle that shiny object. And we have to make sure that we are not letting that thing become so pleasing to the eye, like with Eve, that she went against God's will. Okay? All right. You see, you see, so we need to make sure that that, that that we know that we are not perishing. We are not being destroyed for lack of knowledge. OK, at the root, those connected with the occult world desire to have power and control like God. They are willing to dabble in forms of witchcraft because they like the feeling of power and independence it provides. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Okay, because I'm talking about Halloween and the occult and devil and the devil. We need to make sure that this stuff is very, very real. Halloween is undeniably connected with the occult and paganism. Unfortunately, contemporary paganism in this country is growing in popularity. There are anywhere from 1 million to 2 million people practicing paganism in the United States alone. Now, how is that possible? 
How are so many people so attracted to this? And we're not talking about people of any one uh, socioeconomic uh, strata. We're not talking about anyone that's, that's of a certain class. We're talking about, in many cases, highly educated people that are out there and they're getting into this sort of thing because they feel that there's power in it. And this is something that has plagued mankind from the very, very beginning. Okay, and this is how the occult, you know, I mean, how it, how it even occurred, because the devil will promise you knowledge of the future, will promise you some control over your future. So instead of going to God and giving it to God and letting God control your future, those that are into the occult are looking for power and independence of their own, and they wind up seeking it in all of the wrong places, in all of the wrong places. So paganism is indeed on the rise, okay? I want to give you a little background here, a little background into this um, this time of year, this thing that we call Halloween. To help us with this, we should know the background of Halloween. If you've heard this history before, you should consider it in context with what we just read in God's word. All right? You may have heard this history before, and but just consider it in context to God's word before you just totally dismiss it. Halloween's origins date back to the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain, and that's pronounced Samhain. The Celts, who lived some 2,000 years ago, mostly in the area that is now Ireland, the United Kingdom, and northern France, celebrated their new year on November 1st, which is Samhain or Samhain. Samhain is actually the most important Sabbath. It's November 1st. Samhain is actually the most important Sabbath. It's November 1st on the pagan wheel of the year. Okay, there's something called the wheel of the year, and it's a, it's a pagan uh, a calendar, if you will, that helps them to keep track of the various celebrations or the various Sabbaths that exist in the year. The pagan wheel consists of eight Sabbaths. Four of those Sabbaths fall on the beginning of the four seasons. Interesting. Okay, there are eight Sabbaths. Four of those Sabbaths um, begin, uh, fall on the beginning of the four seasons. They are Yule, December 21st to 23rd, which is the winter solstice or the beginning of winter. Ostara, which is March 19th to the 22nd, which is the beginning of spring, and it's also called the vernal equinox. There's Letha, or Litha, June 19th to the 23rd, which coincides with the summer solstice. And Mabon, which is September 21st to the 24th, which is what we call fall, or the autumnal equinox. Samhain is the most important of those festivals. It's the most important of those Sabbaths of the year. Samhain marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the new year, which marked the dark, cold winter, a time of year that was often associated with human death. Now think about the, the part of the world we're talking about there, very, very hostile environment in terms of weather and things like that. And these people were definitely looking for how to survive into the winter months. They certainly, I mean, they didn't have heating and things like we have today. They didn't have the modern conveniences. And so they were, were, were trying to figure with, deal with how can we survive the winter. And many times people died. Many people, times people died. So they said that time of year was often associated with human death. The Celts believed that on the night before the new year, which was November 1st, the boundary or the veil between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred or very, very thinned. It was thinned. They believed that there was a veil that separated the world of the living and the world of the dead. But during this time of the year, that separation, that veil, if you will, it became thinner, became thinner. So on the night of October 31st, which is obviously before November 1st, on the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain or Samhain when it was believed that the spirits of the dead returned to earth. Okay, They believed that on that night, 
because of the thinned veil, the thin separation that the dead were able to penetrate through to be with the living here on earth. In addition to causing trouble and damaging crops, the Celts thought that the presence of the otherworldly spirits made it easier for the Druids. The Druids were the Celtic priests to make predictions about the future. And that goes against Deuteronomy 18 that we just read. Okay, we cannot be getting into that divination thing. It said, God said, stay away from that. Right? But the Celts believed that during this time when he had that thin veil between the living and the dead, as the dead came over, these other spirits would help them to give predictions about the future. And of course, at that time, their future to the, in their minds was very, very important because they had the harsh, cold winter ahead of them. So they were all thinking, and gee, was, how are we going to survive? How are we, you know, what are we going to have to do? What can we do? So therefore, they welcomed, quote unquote, they welcomed this other advice from those from the dead spirits that could cross over during that time. For a people that were entirely dependent on the unpredictable, harsh, natural world, the world and the environment around them, these prophecies were an important source of comfort during the long, dark winter. Okay. They welcomed these prophecies, this divination, the results of the divination, to help them through this long, through the long, dark winter. To commemorate the event, Druids built huge sacrificial uh, bonfires, huge sacred bonfires. They were considered sacred, where the people gathered to burn crops and animals and sacrifices to the Celtic gods. Okay? They had many gods, so they, built, they, they burned this fire, had this huge bonfire going there where they were sacrificing animals and so on uh, to the Celtic gods. Now, you see how far from what God would want people to do. You see how far they strayed away. During the celebration, the Celts, listen to this now, during the celebrations, the Celts wore costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and skins, and attempted to tell each other's fortunes. Here we go again with the divination. So they got on these costumes, and they're getting around, and they're trying to divine the future for, for people, for their, for their group, for their community, you know, so on like that, because of the long, harsh winter coming up. When the celebration was over, they relit their home fireplaces, which they had put out earlier that evening, from the sacred bonfire to help them, help protect them during the coming winter, okay? So while they, they had fireplaces and fires in their homes, when the celebration started, they put out those fires, they went out to the huge, uh, the huge uh, 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 sacred bonfire, and they took fire from that bonfire, that huge sacred bonfire, to bring back into their homes, okay? And again, this was a form of protection in their minds to help to protect them from the harsh upcoming winter. Then on May 13th of 609 AD, okay, this is where things start transitioning. On May 13, 609, Pope Boniface IV dedicated the Pantheon in Rome in honor of all Christian martyrs. The Catholic feast, Roman Catholic feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church and Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs. Then the observance was moved from May 13th to November 1st. See, where it starts getting interesting now. Then it was moved to November 1st. Then by the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into the Celtic lands, where it gradually blended with and replaced older Celtic rituals. All right, So we see now that Christianity, they couldn't stamp our Christianity, so now it's starting to, to, to overtake and replace some of those older, more pagan Celtic rituals. But then in 1000 AD, the church made November 1st All Souls Day, a day in honor of the dead. Okay, November 1st, they made it All Souls Day to honor the dead. 
The All Saints Day celebration was also called All Hallows or All Hallow Mass. And the night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic religion began to be called All Hallows, All Hallows Eve. And then eventually it evolved into Halloween. Okay. So now we see how this was tracked and traced, how the Roman Catholic Church came in there and adopted some of these pagan rituals and pagan rites. And then it evolved into, into, the, uh, into the church uh, celebration of All Souls Day or All Saints Day on November 1st. And then the night before that, which was October 31st, that's when it became known as uh, um, uh, All Hallows Eve. And then eventually it came to Halloween. And during that time, time they are, uh, this was in line with the, the, the traditional Celtic religion, which involved all of those you know, animal sacrifices and all those other things that they were doing to help and to divine their future and to ward off, ward off uh, you know, bad winter, uh, harsh, cold winter weather and so on like that. Okay, so we see here how that, how that pagan celebration evolved into Halloween. And then you say to me, well, okay, this is all great, Pastor Mike, all nice, gave, gave us a nice history, but gee whiz, when I celebrate Halloween, I don't do witchcraft or divination. I don't sacrifice any animals. Okay, I don't do any of the other stuff that the Bible warns us against. I don't do the things that the ancient Celtics did. I don't do the things that the Druids were doing. I don't do that at all. I simply dress up and go and collect some candy. If I'm an adult, I simply go to a party where everybody's all dressed up and we just have nothing but innocent fun. So, Pastor Mike, that's a nice history. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, but I'm going to move on and ignore what you're saying because I'm not doing any of that stuff that the Druids did or that the Celts did, or what the Bible warns us against. Now, this is where, this is where we get into difficulty. We think that our innocent, quote-unquote, behavior is safe. We think because we don't actively do those things that we're safe. Those that actually practice the dark arts, however, can tell you something very differently, Okay. You think because you're not doing those things, all you're doing is dressing up and enjoying some fun and candy and a party with some other adults or whatever. I'm not doing any, any divination. I'm not doing any astrological charts. I'm not doing a Ouija board, a spirit board. I'm not doing any of that stuff. So what's the harm? Those people that actually practice the dark arts can tell you something very, very differently. These practitioners understand the realities of the spirit realm. And they take spiritual realities very, very seriously. And if you're a child of God, you need to take spiritual realities very, very seriously also. Those that practice in the occult and dabble in it, they understand that Satan really exists and he's very, very real. God and Jesus speak of the devil throughout the Bible. I mentioned that before. Okay. They understood it. God understands it. And these people that dabble in the dark arts, they also understand that Satan is very real. And there are very, very dark spiritual realities that are indeed out there. Satanists know that the devil is real and understand the relationship to Halloween. They understand that. I'm going to tell you about someone named Anton LaVey. Okay, you can look him up. Anton LaVey. He's the founder of the Church of Satan and he's author of the Satanic Bible, Satan Speaks, and the Devil's Notebooks, three books that he's written there among many. And he said that by dressing up, this is him now, this is him, he, this guy is, is, is a, 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 a confessed Satanist, okay? He said that by dressing up, either by wearing a costume or coloring oneself for Halloween, is indistinguishable to worshiping the devil. 
This is someone who believes in the devil, he knows the devil, and he's been involved in many satanic practices. Anton LaVey himself declared that by dressing up, either by wearing a costume or by coloring oneself in celebration of Halloween, signifies that you are allowing Satan to influence you. Signifies that you are allowing Satan to influence you. He further said that when you adopt the pagan practices, you are subconsciously, unwittingly, unknown, you are subconsciously lending yourself to the dark demonic forces, thereby opening the door. Okay, You're doing this stuff, you can be opening the door because you are participating, thereby opening the door. He took joy, Anton LaVey said, he took joy in Christians who take part in the Halloween tradition. And he said, and I'm quoting, I am glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. Welcome to Halloween, close quote. Open quote again. I am glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night out of the year. Welcome to Halloween, close quote. LaVey's statement, what LaVey said, is is corroborated or it's backed up by someone who was a former Satanist, name of John Ramirez, John Ramirez, who said that when you dress up even as an angel or mermaid for Halloween, quote, you give the devil the legal rights to change your identity, close quote. Ramirez further warned that there's a much darker reality. He warned there's a much darker reality in Halloween beyond costumes and candy. The former Satanists who wound up becoming a Christian pastor now, okay, former Satanists who became a, a, a Christian pastor, he said in an interview on CBS News on October 20th, 2018, you can check it out on the internet, Okay, he said in an interview on CBS News, October 20, 2018, I was a general to the kingdom of darkness and witchcraft. I would sit with the devil and talk to him like I'm talking to you today. It was that kind of communication. It was that kind of relationship. Okay, now here's a man who was Satanist himself, who is now a Christian pastor, is saying that this is very, very real. Okay, and the Anton LaVey person back there, I mean, he has said that. You know, I, I welcome the fact, I look forward to the fact that, that parents are letting their children celebrate Halloween and to, quote unquote, worship the devil once a year. Right? See, so there, there are things of darkness out there that, that, that these um, are, are veteran Satanists, if you will, realize are very, very true. The spiritual, dark spiritual reality is very, very true. And they're telling you that by you willingly participating, you're dressing up and you're doing this, and that is, that is indistinguishable, is tantamount to you also worshiping the devil. Because this is what they all are doing. That time of year, that Sam thing, that, that Halloween, that October 31st is one of the high points of the pagan wheel of the year. Okay? It's one of the high points. So at that point in time, there are spiritual realities that are indeed taking place. And if you're celebrating Halloween and you're dressing up and you're carrying on, that means that you're, you spiritually, by your will, you are coordinating, if you will, with the other spiritual sacrifices and other spiritual um, um, uh, worshiping and things that are going on with those that have practiced the dark arts. So you need to really be careful. The Bible strongly warns people not to consult mediums and spirits, as we said, for the truth and to, and to wind up, you know, you go to God. You want to know something about your future, where things are going, whether we're going to have a harsh winter, you pray about that too. You know, pray about it, you know. But you do not go involving uh, uh, other dark and occultic uh, sciences or arts to find out your future or the the future of anything. 
Scripture says that one of the reasons that King Saul died was because he consulted a medium for guidance. Remember the witch of Endor that we talked about a few sermons ago, a few messages ago. Those who follow the path of the magic arts are on the wrong path, a road that leads away from God. That's the biggest problem there, that leads away from God, not toward him. In one way or another, the end will be disaster. Therefore, Christian believers have the moral responsibility to educate their children regarding the evil that can come with Halloween pumpkins, costumes, and a trick-or-treat tradition. Adults should likewise lead by example to the young ones. Man has always wanted to know things of the future without relying on God to reveal things to him. And again, I say to you, what does this have to do with a harmless time like Halloween? To many, this is a very serious time of year, and many are deceived into thinking that it is harmless. There are are spiritual realities that happen during this time of year that we simply cannot ignore. You simply cannot ignore. Instead, what other godly things uh, might we consider this time of year, which is harvest time? You see, the symbolic meaning of harvest in Scripture encompasses two main areas, God's provision for us and God's blessing for others. Let's focus and think on that. While we celebrate a bountiful harvest season just once a year, we experience the spirit of harvest all of the time. It's the time to think about reaping and sowing. And if we go to Galatians 6, uh, verse 7, Galatians 6, verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Okay? So see, you want to think about something this time of year? Think about sowing and reaping. What have we sown? What have we sown during the course of the year? Now that we're in this this time of year and whatnot, what are we reaping? What are we benefiting by? Okay, this is indeed harvest time. There are many scriptures that you can go to. I don't have the time to go to it now that talk about harvest. You know, God talked about harvesting people, harvesting. They say the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. The workers are few. So there are many good Christian godly things to think on in terms of harvest time. You know, the Lord knows if I was a farmer, I mean, farming is a very, very challenging job because you're reliant on so many things. I mean, of course, you're reliant on God, but you got the weather and all sorts of things where crops can go bad and so on. So harvest time, if I was a farmer, I would certainly be on my knees thanking God for having a successful and a bountiful harvest. Amen. And then this is what we need to be doing, thinking along those lines. And not thinking about running after dressing up in costumes and, and collecting candy and so forth, you see. God talks about giving, and it seems like this time of year we think about getting. What can I get? What can I get? You know, how are you blessing someone else? You know, it's a time to be thankful by giving thanks. So just a reminder uh, to rely on God's word during the season of Halloween. And again, I say to you, remember what the Satan had said. I am glad that Christian parents let their children worship the devil at least one night of the year. Welcome to Halloween. Do not be fooled, saint of God. Do not be fooled. All believers should possess a certain amount of spiritual awareness. We have been removed from the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. 
who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's Colossians 1 verse 13. I'll read that again. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Our spiritual eyes have been opened to the reality of the grace of God and the lies of the enemy. If you're a child of God, your eyes have been opened. You have Holy Spirit in you. Listen to what Holy Spirit is saying. Do not be, let your eyes be clouded. Do not let your eyes be, be darkened so you can be wind up following uh, the things of darkness. Open your eyes and be enlightened. We understand that we are in a spiritual battle. We read that in Ephesians 6, verse 12, and that Satan has a devious and a deceptive plan that he's out there trying to capture and do away with all of us, children of God. We need to make sure that we are aware of his schemes in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are, we are not unaware of his schemes. That's 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Again, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. We have to make sure that we are always aware of the schemes of Satan. Our spiritual awareness is the result of Christ's redemption. In Christ, we have a whole new perspective, whole new perspective. So go outside the box with your thinking this time of year. Don't be pressured. Don't be pressured in just following along. Okay. Our children, you know, our children were raised, or, uh, you, you know, we just did not let them go trick-or-treating. We came to the awareness of what God was saying and the background and what it means. We came very aware through a very, very, oh, praise God, the church that we were raised in and so forth, you know, really, really opened our eyes. Holy Spirit, through revelation, opened our eyes to the realities of spiritual darkness. And our children are now grown, and I have grandchildren, and they did not suffer they did suffer the worst for not going out dressed up in costumes in Hall at Halloween time. They did not suffer at all. Okay, all right, all right. So, 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 so if this is a time, maybe this is the year that you tell your child, no, we're going to do something different. You know, we're going to pray. We're going to read the Bible. You can do some things in the house or whatever like that if you like. But the whole thing is that this particular time of year, if you are participating, as that Satan has said, you know, this is the time that spiritually, spiritually, you're also participating with, with many, many other forces of darkness that would love to tear you down and destroy you. Amen. So do not, the word of God, we start out by reading Hosea there, 4, 6, by my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Do not let yourself, your family, things around you be destroyed because of lack of knowledge. All right. Again, I've given you this information. Pray about it. Take it where you will. You, you know, I'm not saying again that you should not run out. And, you know, I, that is not for me to make that decision. You need to just pray about it and let the Lord lead you. Let the Lord guide you. I've given you the facts here as far as the history. I've given you the facts of what the word of God here is saying. So now you pray about it and let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope this message was, was a blessing. To, I hope it's been helpful to you. Um, if it was, pass on where we can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net www.genesis1.sermon.net. If you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these, this content is made available, new content is made available to you. Uh, we're on YouTube still, Genesis One Christian Ministries. And of course, we have our free apps for Apple and Android devices, and they can be downloaded free of charge from the Apple Store and the Google Play Stores. Uh, everything here is free of charge. Um, you can also download these messages uh, for viewing later on, or you can download just the audio portion even if you want to listen to it in your car. Again, we try to make it as, as easily convenient uh, for you as, as possible. You know? and, and also, praise God, and also know that uh, if you want to come by and join us, 
uh, for a live Sunday worship service. Uh, we're in the Candelaria area at uh, in Salem, Oregon at 2651 Commercial Street Southeast, 2651 Commercial Street Southeast uh, here in Salem, Oregon. And uh, worship st service starts at 1030. Amen. You know, come by and let us pray for you. You know, we believe in the move of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, we're, we're a, a full gospel, non-denominational ministry here. We don't belong to any one denominational. We simply follow the word of God. So we're non-denominational. And we believe, again, we believe in full gospel. So we pray for people and, and everything. Pray with you and pray pray for you. So, you know, if you're so inclined, Holy Spirit, so guys, come on by and join us. We'd love to have you. Love to see you there. Praise God. Praise God. Let us go to prayer now as we close out. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And we pray that as we go through the balance of the day and the week ahead of us, O oh Lord, we remember these words, O oh Lord, as we go into this Halloween season, O oh Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, we shall recall these words and that Holy Spirit will guide us, O oh Lord, guide our decision-making, O oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Heavenly Father. You are a loving God, and we know that you do not want us to perish, and you want us to have knowledge, O oh Lord. So, Lord God, we just praise you, magnify thy name, and glorify thy name. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you all go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is indeed Lord.